Thank you, Eric. My son is the children's pastor at Grace Church in Morton. Before that time, he uh, was the director of Camp of Champions, uh, Kokusa, it's called. In fact, uh, there's a, a site right over here at, at uh, the uh, church down the road, Great Oaks Community Church, and they have uh, eight or nine sites around the area. So he's worked with kids for a long time, and Eric reminded me, and he's saying, hold up my hand, and the kids said uh, they're supposed to see him. One of the things that uh, my son learned was uh, lots of kids, lots of noise, and so he would just say, if you hear my voice, clap once. And probably the people around him could hear, hear what he said, and they'd clap once, the kids. And then he'd say, if you hear my voice, clap twice. And few more people would clap twice because they wondered what people were clapping once for, and so they were kind of listening. And by the third time, if he had to get to a third time, everybody was quiet. If you hear my voice, clap three times because the, the people who still weren't paying attention all of a sudden were thinking, what's everybody clapping for? And so they, they stopped. And that's, that, that works with adults, by the way, too. If you have to work with a big group of adults, uh, you, you don't have to try to yell to get their attention. Just say quietly, if you hear my voice, clap once. And few people will. You hear my voice clap twice, and by that time, everybody's wondering what, what people are clapping for. Nothing's happening, and uh, you do have their attention. Well, that was free advice, a little bit of a free tool that you can use sometimes, uh, maybe at home. Who knows? Well, here we are, December 30, right on the doorstep of 2019. I can remember uh, just about 10 years ago, being worried about all the computers failing and all of the planes falling out of the sky and, and the trains stopping and nobody's going to get paid and, you know, uh, Y2K, you remember that. And here we are all of a sudden almost ready to, uh, to go into 2019 and the world continues. Uh, God has uh, um, allowed us to be around for that time and uh, to be here for a purpose. Uh, to be salt and light into a very desperate and, and needy world. So uh, I trust that you will have uh, uh, God-filled, grace-filled, peace-filled 2019 as we enter into it. Well, one of the well-known Christmas carols, so we're about done with those, So, but uh, let me just uh, uh, mention one of them that you're very familiar with is, O Come All Ye Faithful. And uh, it goes, oh, I'm not going to sing it for you, but it goes, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem, come and behold him, born the king of angels. And then the, the chorus says, uh, it just repeats, come, O come let us adore him, O come let us adore him, O come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Uh, the invitation to come ye to Bethlehem to uh, adore uh, him, Christ the Lord, uh, places us among the shepherds who went to Bethlehem to see the Christ child and the magi or the wise men who eventually made it to Bethlehem to come and see the Christ child. And uh, both of those groups went there to adore him, to, to worship him. So this morning we want to take a, a look at this some uh, people who took great pains uh, and went long distances to uh, adore Christ the King. And uh, we're going to be spending our time in Matthew chapter 2. Luke 2, of course, is the Christmas story that we're very familiar with. Matthew 2 is uh, the Magi story. 
or the wise men's story. Um, so I'm going to read the, the first uh, 16 or 17 verses of Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some magi or wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. By the way, just another little freebie here on the side. Some of your translations say, we saw his star in the east. Uh, now, if you stop and think about that, if they were from the east and they saw his star in the east, they would have gone to India. Um, in, I, and I don't, I don't know Hebrew, but I know people who do, and so I, I, I've read that the word east in Hebrew also means the rising of something. And so that's why we said that they saw, we saw the star as it rose. They didn't see it in east and followed it east because that would have taken them to India, right? That's another little freebie for you here. If, that, uh, if you ever thought about that, that confused you. We saw his star as it rose, still in verse 2, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this interview with the wise men, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt which, with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, pray this morning that... Uh, we will open our minds to understand your word, that uh, our hearts will be open to receive the word that we understand, and then above all, that our lives will be open to do your word, so we are not merely hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Well, for a while, we're going to talk about this narrative that we just read, but at the end, we're going to talk about what it means for us. We're going to look at the then and there of the Magi story, but we're going to try to bring it then to the here and now for our story. It doesn't do any good to open the scriptures and talk about the scriptures and only spend time in the then and there and, lit, and just leave it there without bringing it into the here and now and what does it mean, how does that uh, apply to our lives. So uh, uh, stick with me until we get to the end. Uh, unless you don't want to know how it applies to your life, then you might want to just hold your ears at the end. I don't, I don't know, but uh, hopefully you're all open today to wanting to see how, how this narrative back then and there helps us for the here and now. Now, the entire cast of characters that are found in this Magi story are actually discovered in the first four verses that, that I read. We have Jesus, the, uh, the newborn king of the Jews. We have King Herod, the uh, puppet king of the Jews. Uh, we have the Magi. We have the people of Jerusalem. We have the religious leaders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law in the, this story, and the star which is one of the main characters as well. Uh, not the star, well, I guess the star is the star of the show, but uh, we really can't say that specifically because Jesus, King Jesus, is the star of the show. So we have all of the characters here in these first four verses. The Magi and King Herod ask nearly the same questions in, the, in this uh, first part of the story. The Magi said, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? And that was in verse 2, but by the time we get to verse 4, Herod is saying, where is the Messiah, where is the Christ supposed to be born? Very similar questions. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? Herod is, that, that question was asked of Herod. Herod turns around and asks a similar question to the religious leaders. Where is Messiah supposed to be born? Now, there are three different responses uh, that we want to look at this morning to those two similar questions. And that we're going to look first at the Magi's response. Uh, the Magi asked the question, and they, they said, we saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. The Magi's response was, oh, come, let us adore him. There's the, there's the Christmas carol. That was their, their, their response. We have come to worship him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Now, the, the birth of Messiah was first announced to the shepherds um, by the angels from heaven, and it was also first announced in, in, a, in a fashion through the rising of a star that caught the interest of the magi. It was announced to shepherds, and it was announced to scholars. So we have these poor shepherds who were not trusted uh, by anyone, frankly, um, and we have these uh, rather wealthy scholars who were looked up to by many people. And these were the first people who heard of the birth announcement. Um, there's been much speculation about this star that the Magi saw. Uh, no matter what it was, it was supernaturally and divinely appointed and selected and used by God to bring these shepherds to Bethlehem, to the Christ child. There are more uncertainties about the Magi than there are certainties. Uh, traditions have added a whole lot of things to the Magi story. But there's more that we don't know about them, really, than what we do know about them. 
We're not sure who they were. Uh, while the well-known song says, we three kings of Orient are, uh, the Bible doesn't call them kings, and it never says that there were just three. Of course, the, the three tradition comes from the, the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and, and myrrh. Um, but it doesn't mean that there were just three. Uh, all of us could collectively get together and uh, collect gifts for somebody, and we could all pitch in and have three kinds of gifts that we would give, but it wouldn't necessarily mean it just came from three of us. Uh, the, the Magi studied astrology. That's what they were known for. Uh, they studied dreams. Um, they, they put great stock in dreams, and so it was appropriate that the, the Lord spoke to them in a dream and said, don't go back to Herod. Um, you know, they didn't wake up the next morning and say, I had this strange dream, you know, the, and they did what the dream said. They were studiers of dreams. They, they studied magic and ancient books. In fact, these magi may have been exposed to the Old Testament uh, prophecies because while many Jews returned uh, to, to uh, Israel from, uh, from the exile, especially the exiles in Babylon and Arabia, many Jews did not. They stayed there. And so the, the Magi probably were exposed to the Jewish Old Testament prophecies. They were interested in things like that. We, we don't know exactly who they were. They were Magi. Uh, we don't know for sure um, uh, how many there were. Uh, we do know who they were not. They were not Jews. They were Gentiles. Uh, and yet they made this long difficult journey to go see a Jewish king. But they were Gentiles. They, they set aside whatever prejudice they may have had for Jews to go and discover or try to discover this newborn king. As we said, we don't know how many there were as well. Um, a long trip such as they took, there could have been many of them. We do, we could, our common sense tells us that they probably had a, a lot of uh, servants and a lot of maybe perhaps guards along the way for this, this rather dangerous trip. Um, there could have been a whole caravan of them. We just don't know for sure. We're not sure where they were from. They were from the east, <laughs> uh, but we don't know where. I can say to, you know, so-and-so, I'm from the east. Well, that only tells them the east of where they are now. <laughs> that could be Peoria, or I mean, no, that's west, isn't it? <laughs> that could be Metamora. You know, that could be Flanagan. That, that, that could be Boston. For I don't sound like I'm from Boston, but for all of that, from the east. That doesn't tell you much, does it? We do know they were from the east. Uh, that much we, we do know, per, perhaps from Babylonia, from Persia, from Arabia. Um, that uh, may be uh, some, some pretty good uh, guesses, uh, but it's a lot of speculation. We're just not sure. Uh, they may have come a distance of uh, a thousand miles. It could have taken them months or maybe up to a year to travel to get to Bethlehem. We're not sure when they arrived. Um, most certainly it wasn't on Christmas night, uh, as the nativity scenes show. Um, based uh, particularly on the inf information we read in, in verse 7, for instance, Herald, Herod, not Herald, that's hard to Herald, uh, Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And then uh, verse 16 uh, tells uh, how he ordered the killing of all babies under two years old, so apparently he wanted to cover that time frame 
Um, so they, they, they didn't arrive on, on Christmas night. Uh, we're not exactly certain what they saw in the heavens. They saw this star. Uh, was it a supernova? Was it a lining up of the, com uh, the planets? Was it a, was it a comet? Uh, we're not sure. Matthew reports it to be a supernatural star that apparently starts and stops at, at different points. Um, when they got to Jerusalem, it said the, uh, when they went to Bethlehem, the star appeared again and, and uh, went, uh, guided them to, to Bethlehem. Uh, nevertheless, the, the Magi saw a birth announcement in the heavens, and uh, they made their way to, to look for this recently born king of the Jews. Uh, whether the star led them all the way is also uncertain, uh, but what we do know, uh, whether it was a supernova, a comet, a lining up of the planets, or a special supernatural star that God created for that time, we do know God was in it. God was in charge of, of that star. This was, this was not uh, just dumb luck that they happened to see a bright star that uh, by coincidence took them to Bethlehem. God was in it. It could have been that the star was as much of a confirming star than it was a guiding star. In other words, what I mean by that is when they would continue to see it and follow it, it was a confirmation that they should continue to follow the star. So it was, it was also a confirming star as much as a guiding star. They, they brought three kinds of gifts, as we've said. Um, whatever the significance of the gifts may be, we, we know that they were expensive gifts. Um, and uh, it's possible that those gifts may have helped finance Joseph and Mary and little baby Jesus escape to Egypt. Um, those who are worshipers of Christ love to give. And uh, we should love to give as, as, as well as, as uh, Eric prayed in the, the offertory prayer. And we do know that they bowed down. In fact, uh, the word bowed down here um, means pretty much just to bow on their faces as one would uh, in, in the presence of royalty and in this case in the presence of divinity. D.A. Carson, uh, one of the uh, leading New Testament scholars of our day has written this about when it said they bowed down to worship. Worship need not imply that the Magi recognized Jesus' divinity. It may simply mean that they did homage for someone they considered royalty, the king of the Jews. Uh, he says their own statements suggest homage paid by royalty rather than the worship of deity. But Matthew, having already told of the virgin's conception, doubtless expected his readers to discern something more. That is, that the Magi worshipped better than they even knew they were worshipping. They came to honor this King Jesus. And they, they honored him and bowed to him. And uh, uh, he... Uh, Carson says that he believes they may have been worshiping better than they even knew. And uh, Hebrews 11:6 6 says, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And they were earnestly seeking Jesus. And uh, they uh, may have been rewarded more than they even knew. So the Magi's response, having said all that, the Magi's response was to the question, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Their response was, Oh, come let us adore him. And then in verses 4 through 6, we won't read them again. Herod, upon hearing that, 
called for the religious leaders, the priests and the experts of the law, the chief priests and the experts of the law, and their response was, oh, come, let us ignore him. Oh, come, let us ignore him. Now, teachers of the law likely would have known where Jesus was to be born, and these folks knew it. Herod says, where is Messiah supposed to be born? And they matter-of-factly said, Bethlehem of Judea. I mean, doesn't everybody know that? And it's interesting the way he asked that question. He didn't say, where has he been born, such as the Magi asked. He asked, where is he supposed to be born? Because the teachers of the law didn't know that he had been born. So that would have been a strange question to ask him. Uh, they were kind of oblivious of that fact. He said, where is he supposed to be born? And they said, Bethlehem of Judea. Um, they were the ones who studied the law and the prophets. They certainly knew that. They knew it all, but they didn't do anything about it. Um, they missed Christmas, totally missed Christmas. David Watson, in a book uh, that he has written called My God is Real, tells a story about a man who stood on a street corner on a soapbox, you know, one of those street corner soapbox uh, preachers. And uh, he was pouring scorn, however, on Christianity. That was his sermon. He was railing against Christianity. And he said, people tell me that God exists, but I can't see him. Uh, people tell me that there is life after death, but I haven't seen it. People tell me there's judgment to come, but I don't see that. People tell me there's a heaven and a hell, but I can't see them. And uh, he won some cheap applause as he climbed down from his pulpit. Another struggled onto the soapbox, got up on the soapbox, kind of had to gain his, his equilibrium. And he says, people tell me there's green grass all around, but I can't see it. People tell me that there's blue sky above, but I can't see it. People tell me that there are trees all around, but I can't see them because I'm blind. Herod and the religious leaders were blind. They knew what the scriptures said, but they didn't do anything about it. They were blind to God's plan of redemption because of their lust for power and uh, their lust for their own plans and their own purposes being fulfilled uh, in their lives. The Savior was right under their religious noses, and they ignored it. They ignored him. Yet they were so blind, they made no attempt to travel, travel the mere five miles to Bethlehem um, to see and to worship Jesus. In contrast to the Magi who traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles to worship him. The response of the Magi, O come, let us adore him. They made great effort to do that. The response of the religious leaders, oh, come, let us ignore him. They made no effort at all. And then we have King Herod. Remember last week we called him the little king? <laughs> little King Herod, little King Caesar, big King Jesus. Then we have King Herod, verse 13. His response was, oh, come, let us kill him. Oh, come, let us kill him. Herod was known as Herod the Great. Uh, he resented the fact uh, 
that the Jews considered him a toy king who bought his position. So he really wasn't great after all. He just had to call himself Herod the Great. He was the descendant of Esau, uh, the traditional enemy of the Jews. So he couldn't be a legitimate Jewish king. Uh, the Roman Senate gave him that title. So he, he had the title of king given to him not by the Lord, not by the Jews, but it came from the emperor, from, from Rome, from the Senate um, that gave him that title. Now, the, King Herod was known for his extensive building projects, including the temple in Jerusalem, and he was also known for his extreme cruelty. Power grabbing and extremely paranoid and fits of rage and jealousy, he killed many of his associates because he felt they were going to take over his throne, his rule. He was so vicious and so jealous and so paranoid, he killed his own mother. Uh, he killed the favorite of his many wives, thinking that she was up to something to take over his power. He killed at least two of his sons. Caesar Augustus, remember he's the guy we read about last week? Caesar Augustus made the decree that everyone should return to their town to be taxed or to register. Caesar Augustus remarked that he would rather be Herod's swine than his sons, that it would be safer to be one of Herod's hogs than it would be to be one of his sons. That was vicious King Herod. He arranged, this is interesting, he arranged for hundreds of Jewish nobles uh, toward the end of his life when he knew he was going to die, he arranged for hundreds of Jewish nobles to be locked up and kept for execution on the day that he died so there would be mourning in Jerusalem, uh, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, because he knew that no one would mourn his death and everybody would be joyful. So he wanted there to be mourning in Jerusalem so he was so vicious that he made a law that these hundreds of Jewish nobles would be put to death on the day of his death so people would be in mourning um, in Jerusalem. Well, um, uh, thankfully, his sister Salome and, and her husband on the day of his death um, did not kill those nobles, those Jewish nobles. And uh, so there was double rejoicing in Jerusalem, rejoicing for the freedom of the nobles and rejoicing for the death of Herod. That's the man that we're talking about here, King Herod. He, uh, he was a disturbed man. And no wonder he was disturbed that he heard about a, a newborn child who was going to be the king of Egypt, or I mean of, 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 of Israel. Uh, it says here in the text that all of Jerusalem was concerned, was disturbed with the news. And it wasn't that they were disturbed with the news of a newborn king who was going to be king of the Jews. It was probably because they knew that Herod was going to even become more vicious with this news, and if it was true that anyone who would be happy about a newborn king of the Jews, they too would be executed. And so they were just, they, they had good reason to fear because they knew all too well uh, that a question like the Magi's brought about or asked of King Herod would unleash more atrocities 
uh, more anger, more jealousy, more paranoia, and the consequences would be terrible for them or for anyone who would be suspected um, of being excited about this new Jewish king. Afraid of a little baby, they called the king of the Jews. Herod killed all the babies around Bethlehem, two years old and under. It kind of reminds you of the Moses story, doesn't it? Um, when Pharaoh had all of the, the baby boys killed, and then, uh, of course, Moses was spared. Um, and here, uh, all the baby boys in Bethlehem under two were killed because of Herod's extreme jealousy and paranoia. We don't know how many babies that, that uh, would have been. Bethlehem wasn't a huge town. This was probably a year or so after the birth of Jesus. Joseph uh, um, apparently decided to stay in, in Bethlehem for a time, or maybe he was going to make his home there. We don't know, but he and Mary and, and baby Jesus uh, uh, were still there. But it was a small town, so there may have not have been a, a great number of, of children under the age of two, but even one is too much. And it's said that in order to cover his bases, it was Bethlehem and the surrounding areas in case Joseph and, and, and Mary, of course, he didn't know they came from Nazareth, so he thought they were resident there, which they were at the time, and so he even expanded it beyond Bethlehem. The Magi said, oh, come, let us adore him. The religious leader said, oh, come, let us ignore him. Herod said, oh, come, let us kill him. Now, a few closing thoughts. Uh, one is that by telling the Magi story, Matthew, who wrote the gospel, is, is making clear that the message of the birth of Jesus was shared with both simple people, the shepherds, and scholarly people, the Magi. It was shared with Jews, the shepherds, and Gentiles, the Magi. It was shared with the rich, the Magi, the poor, the shepherds. It was, it was as if God was declaring that it doesn't matter what group, what class, what ethnicity a person is from, the message of the Savior is for all people, no matter who they are. The simple or the sophisticated can be saved. Remember what Jesus said, whosoever will may come. Whosoever will may come. And Matthew is recording for us uh, before Jesus ever spoke those words that it was God's purpose that whosoever will may come and adore him. Shepherds, magi, everybody else in between, including those of us who are sitting here today. Whosoever will may come. That is still the message today as we go into 2019, assuming that we'll see 2019, that the Lord doesn't come before then. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But if we're still here on January 1st, 2019, that's the message that we need to take to a fallen world. Whosoever will may come, no matter what their ethnicity, no matter what their economic uh, status is or their educational status or, or how vicious they may have been. That message was for King Herod, too. Unfortunately, he never got it. He, he, never, he never appropriated it, I should say. But the message was there. Whosoever will may come. That is our message to continue to deliver to a world desperately in need of a Savior today. And finally, while Herod's response to the 
news of Jesus was kill him. Uh, while that was extreme and beyond anyone's sentiments here this morning, I'm quite sure, there are two possible responses that are still on the table this morning. Ignore him or adore him. None of us would say kill him, but there are two possible responses that each of us has to make every single day. Ignore him or adore him. What is your response? Ignore him may be our daily response more than we like to admit. At least I know that that's a response that I have more than I'd like to admit. As I get busy and go through my day, I think about myself or others, it's very easy to all of a sudden stop and think, I have been the religious leaders. I've ignored him. I, I, I have not taken time today to adore him. When I got up in the morning, I may have all of a sudden jumped into task orientation mode and, and forgot at all to just say, thank you, Lord, and to say, yes, Lord. Those are, those are two, no, no, I, I was an English major, not a math major. Thank you, Lord, that's three. Yes, Lord. Okay, that's five words that all of us ought to say. We can say at the end of each day, thank you, Lord, for the day that you've given to me, for all that you have provided for me, for giving me my daily bread, not only of physical needs, but my daily bread of patience, perhaps, that I needed today, my daily bread of wisdom. Every night when we lay our head on the bed, we can say thank you, Lord, and that's a, that's, those are words of adoration. And every morning when we get up, we should say, yes, Lord, Yes, Lord, I, I will do your will today. I will seek to do your will. I will seek to adore you. If you can say, thank you, Lord, and you can say, yes, Lord, you will avoid falling into the apathy of ignoring him. And you will be more aware of adoring him. Hopefully that's a here and now message from a then and there narrative that will help us avoid the magi's or the uh, the the uh, religious leaders' response: ignore him. I want my response. I hope you want your response to be as much as possible. Oh, come, let us adore him. Father, we thank you for um, this preservation of this historical event of the magi. This is not make believe. Um, the star is not made up. It's not some science fiction. Um, you have created all things for your purposes and your will. And, and so even that star that got the attention of, of Gentile pagans who went to worship the newborn king, um, you delivered that at just the right time when the fullness of time had come. And, and Father, I just pray that you will help each of us to wake up each day with <clears throat> the intent to adore the Lord Jesus Christ, not to ignore him. So now, Lord, may you just bless us and keep us this day and in the days to come. Make your face to shine upon us. We don't need a star to do that. We, we, we have the light of Christ to do that. So may uh, your face shine upon us and be gracious to us. May you turn your countenance toward us, Lord, and just give us peace. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.